Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. And in our first season, we are looking at the awesome movie year of 1994. I'm Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, guy who pauses when he needs to make things dramatic. That was I, for a second. I thought maybe you forgot like who you were, <laughs> and uh, we were going to go in a whole different direction for this episode, and we're going to have to piece together Jason's uh, life. Awesome Jason life? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the podcast. That's but... perfect. Uh, and of course, also our awesome uh, producer, David Rosen of the Piecing It Together podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks, Dave, for all his awesome uh, work on this. We would uh, be lost without him, as we were saying earlier. We would be lost. And also, thanks to everyone who has been giving us feedback on Facebook and uh, Twitter, not so much Instagram at this point, but uh, it's been fun to see what people would want us to cover from this year. And we'll talk more about that as the season progresses. That we will. But in this episode, we are talking about the winner of the Grand Jury Prize at the 1994 Sundance Film Festival, which is Tom Noonan's What Happened Was. And this is probably the most obscure movie we're talking about on this season of the podcast. Uh, yeah, although I think when we get to cult classic, we're also getting into the obscure. But not nearly as much as this, I think. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about that in that episode, but the reason we picked that, of course, is because it does have a cult following, whereas I don't think this movie has any kind of following, really. Um, Maybe Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan, <laughs> yes. I think he is, he is proud of his work on this film, as he should be, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, and, and, and people at the time that this movie premiered at the Sundance Film Festival were definitely uh, fans of it. Um, it was adapted, uh, written and directed uh, by Tom Noonan uh, based on his own stage play, which is not surprising that this started as a stage play. Uh, and he is the star of it, uh, along with Karen Sillis. Um, and again, it did, uh, it did win the grand jury prize at the 1994 Sundance film festival. Uh, it also won the Waldo, Waldo salt screenwriting award, uh, for Tom Noonan at Sundance. Uh, it later won the best feature film award at the Chicago international film festival. And it was nominated for two independent spirit awards, uh, for best female lead for Karen Sillis and for best first screenplay. So, I mean, that's a movie, like a movie that got all that attention now would be a big indie movie of the year, I think. What a ride for Tom Noonan. <laughs> what a ride, yeah. Yeah, and Tom Noonan himself before this, uh, we talked about, as we were watching this, because we watched this movie together and we were talking about where have we seen Tom Noonan before? Because he's a very recognizable character actor. Uh, and for me, uh, I think, and for I think for a lot of people, still his most notable role was playing uh, Buffalo Bill in Michael Mann's uh, Manhunter, which of course was uh, later uh, adapted as a Red Dragon with Anthony Hopkins as, as Hannibal Lecter. I uh, recognized him as the uh, cop from Damages who was always so close to getting answers, but couldn't just quite <laughs> Never put quite it together. Got there. Yeah. yeah. That was later. Um, and yeah, he's been in a million TV shows and played people like cops and uh, and a lot of creepy antagonists. Uh, going into this movie, he'd been in Manhunter. He'd also played uh, creepy bad guys in RoboCop 2 and in Last Action Hero. So that was definitely what people would have known him for uh, as they uh, were going into this movie. Well, and you bring up a good point about, you know, the momentum of the film because 
Sundance 94, as we talked about uh, earlier, we, you know, in our first filmmaker episode, first feature episode, had Clerks. Um, it had Fresh, which won an award. Uh, Go Fish, Nina Takes a Lover, and Spanking the Monkey, among others, you know. So some well-known films from the mid-90s. Yeah, some serious competition that this movie had. And so I think that's why, in a way, it makes it even more notable because this movie that, that we really now have not heard of at all uh, was awarded over those other movies, including some that are very well regarded and have lasted a much longer time in the popular consciousness. This definitely has fallen through the cracks of film fans everywhere. Shame on you, film fans. Shame on you. <laughs> well, we're going to bring it back single handedly. <laughs> we're going to bring this movie back. Um, so uh, review wise, um, this movie got kind of mixed reviews from what I found. Um, we can start with Roger Ebert, who was not a big fan. He said, uh, what happened was, is in many ways an admirable movie, and Noonan and Silas do a quiet, thorough job of representing these two people who seem on the edge of being walled up inside their own walls. There are many small moments of perfect observation, but I never really felt they were building to anything or heading anywhere. I didn't feel chemistry between the characters. Not the chemistry of attraction, of course, but not even the chemistry of mutual awareness. Both of them were playing their own tapes. It's an interesting film and a brave effort, but there's something missing. Ebert throws shade. <laughs> he does. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't agree with that. I think they were on the same you know, wavelength throughout this film. Yeah, I do too. And of course, this is a, it's what we would call what? A two-hander between Tom Noonan and Karen Sillis, who are the only actors in this movie. Well, there, there's not much else. You know, a two-hander classically in comedy, which this is not a comedy, would be, you know, uh, Chris Farley and David Spade, right? Right. So they're a little buddy team. That right. But yeah, this is just two people and uh, they're talking and uh, that's the movie. That is the movie. And but I, I would also disagree that it's not entirely a comedy. I feel like aspects of it are definitely comedic. That, well, then we're in disagreement because right. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, th I didn't get many laughs out of this. All thing. right. Well, hey, do you know, were these the two actors in the play? That I don't know. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they were. Uh, Noonan certainly has done a lot of theater, so um, that I didn't find. Maybe our producer David <laughs> Rosen. Will he's, he's working on it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was it was it was a little tougher to find uh, some background on this movie, but but yeah, Siskel and Ebert did review it. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it a thumbs down, uh, but Siskel gave it a thumbs up, so they were uh, not entirely uh, in agreement. Hmm. Uh, so Owen Gleiberman in Entertainment Weekly said, as freakishly compelling as Noonan is, it's Silas who emerges here as a major performer, her sad, sultry intensity transforming the movie into a slow burn, neurotic rhapsody. Uh, he also says, what happened was starts out as a comedy of courtship quirks, but it ends by using romance as a lens through which to view that modern affliction, the cosmic self-doubt that reduces us to shadows of what we might have been and could still be. He and liked it. He did like it, and he was right. As we all know, Karen Sillis went on to play <laughs> Black Widow in The Avengers. Right, yeah. Well, it's interesting <laughs> because, I mean, it's not surprising to me that people watched this movie at the time and thought, oh, this could be a breakout for her and she could have a big career based on this. And that's not an uncommon thing for an indie movie. You know, you have this great performance from someone who seems poised to really go somewhere and then it turns out that that doesn't happen well yeah she did a lot of uh tv work in the 90s a lot of cbs crime procedurals and everything right but i, I agree and wonder um i'm not sure how old she was when she made this but if 
she got caught up in some type of ageism because she was already maybe in her 30s. Right, right. Was. Yeah, they're definitely neither of them. Like, this isn't a this isn't a movie about the sort of heady young romance of people or whatever. They're already yeah. older, jaded people in this film. Yeah, this ain't Before Sunrise, folks. No, it isn't. It isn't. Although love. there are similarities, and I also love Before Sunrise. Um, and uh, the last review I'll give is from Emmanuel Levy in Variety who says, uh, what happened was may present the most authentic chronicle of how people actually behave on a date. The discreet moves and counter moves, the fine line between image protection and negative exposure. It's to Noonan's credit as scripter and Helmer that he captures in minute detail the uncomfortable feelings, awkward pauses, and forced smiles. Here are plenty of shocking role reversals and twists, but the script's most illuminating insights show how well-intentioned and potentially pleasurable encounters can turn into can turn disastrous and humiliating as a result of differing expectations. I'm not sure about the authenticity. I mean, I don't think this movie needs to be like before sunrise naturalistic. I mean, I liked in a way that it was really more stylized. Yeah, there well, I mean, the whole thing takes place in uh Karen Silas's apartment, the yes. character's apartment. And um, you know, so there was a lot of uh camera moves throughout scenes to uh reset the mood and kind of uh transition from one element not just um physically but also emotionally yeah yeah that's definitely i think although this movie has stage origins noonan does uh do a lot of things here to make it more cinematic um so we'll, we'll get into that a little more um unless you had any other background info that you dug up well, no, as always, you know, we talked about the first time we saw this. So well, which was like two I, weeks ago. I'd like to give you my memory of the yeah. first time seeing this. Please. It was on my couch. Yes. Sitting next to you. Yes. On Amazon Prime. Yes, that was also my first time two seeing weeks ago. it. Yeah. <laughs> I had never uh, heard of this film before. Yeah, I had I had briefly heard of it somewhere. And I, I think we were talking about this when we were watching it. And I can't remember where it was reading something about Tom Noonan or or Sundance or something like that. And so I was vaguely aware of what it was, but I certainly hadn't uh, looked into it very much and definitely had never seen it before. I looked up a trailer today and it was just a scene from the movie, even though it's listed as a trailer, but yeah. So can we just make a note of that? Please. Our producer has improved from watching nothing to watching a trailer, to right. watching one scene that he <laughs> I watched trailers trailer. for all four movies we're recording. Today, wow. Guys. Okay. Well, we'll come back and talk about the trailer. Uh, We'll come back and talk about our general thoughts on Tom Noonan's What Happened Was. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. This episode is the uh, Sundance Grand Jury winner for 1994. We're talking about Tom Noonan's What Happened Was, a movie that not a lot of people have seen, but we have. Together. Together, yes. Really a bonding experience among the two of us. Uh, and uh, as we mentioned, watched on Amazon Prime where the quality of the video was not great. No, um, maybe Peter Jackson can restore this a la World War One footage. <laughs> it wasn't quite that uh, damaged, but definitely no one has remastered this film. He might need a project coming up, you know? Yeah. He's not very busy, it seems like. No, no. There's... You know, Tolkien's not putting out any new books anytime soon. So. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> you can always mine those for something. Um, but yeah, it was a little frustrating because uh, I'm sure it looked better when people saw it uh, at Sundance. And this is clearly something that they've 
uh, ported over from like a, a VHS or uh, some old damaged print or whatever. No one has taken the care to really give this the the restoration that it, it maybe it deserves. What happened was they left it as it was. They did. <laughs> they did. Um, so did you like it? Uh, I don't know. I didn't dislike it. I mean, without knowing the background of it, I thought that it would work as a play, which clearly it did at some point in time. I thought that it was interesting, like the, the kind of uh, peeling back of the layers of the characters. You know, neither of them are really as they are at first. And, and we should say these two, they're on a first date, but they're having dinner at a woman's apartment, which I don't think is a common first date nowadays. No, you know, but so. they do know each other already. Yes. So it's not like they're strangers who met on the street or something. Yeah. And like, so for instance, they work, uh, they work together. And uh, do you remember her name? I know his uh, Jackie, right? Jackie yeah, I think Michael, that sounds right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Jackie has had this crush on Michael. And every time she talks about him or to him about him, she mentions how brave he is and just how kind of uh, rebellious he is at the office. And you think like he's this big partner at this law office. And as the movie goes on, you find out he's just another paralegal and everything. Right, yeah, so. he's a paralegal and she's a, a secretary or a, a legal assistant uh, that they call it, I think. Yes, all important work. We're not talking down to anyone. No. Well, I mean, that's actually a, an exchange in the movie where he says, oh, you're a secretary. And she says something about how, no, she's an assistant, you know, and, and he's a bit dismissive of her position, even though, as you say, he doesn't really have a super important position either. Yeah. So I like, I like movies like this. And uh, as Josh can tell you, I've uh, in my own script writing, I, I like writing these kind of uh, two person romantic, you know, uh, this one, I, I don't think was that comedic, but comedies uh, where you learn more about the characters as you go on. Um, I do think it kind of got off the rails uh, when they got ro more romantic with each other. And, um, there was a shift with her character where she became uh, she jumped from like A to F in their relationship very quickly. Yeah. You know? And that part I didn't believe. Right. But um, otherwise, um, yeah, I'm glad I saw it. It was interesting. So, right. You know. Yeah, it was. And I think I mean, I, I too, mm. uh, like movies like this. You know, we mentioned the before before sunrise and all of those movies um, and going in, I thought it might be similar uh, to that, that it would be this kind of talky, semi-comedic, you know, back and forth banter between these two. But from the beginning, it's clear that these two people are very weird and they're kind of disturbed. And I think you spend most of the movie, or at least I spent most of the movie, waiting for sort of the other shoe to drop, so to speak, for one of them to reveal that they were, uh, you know, hiding bodies under the floorboards or something like Spoiler that. Spoiler alert, no bodies. Although there is, uh, I think your favorite scene was probably when Jackie uh, read a story that she had been working on. She's a published author, which, uh, you know, is very impressive to Michael, who has never had anything published, but always talks about wanting to be a published author. And uh, do you want to go over that story? <laughs> well, we don't need to tell every detail of it. But but yeah, I think that and that might be the point where you're talking about where the movie really takes a shift. And up until this point, it's been just this kind of like awkward back and forth between these two people who are clearly both uh, perhaps uh, socially uh, anxious uh, definitely not. Yeah, they should both be on medication yeah. for their own health. Right, you know. possibly so, yeah. But this story, I think, is interesting because, you know, it's like, hey, come over to dinner and we'll talk. And we all have, 
you know, we get coffee together at the offices and then it's like, here's my story about uh, two parents who murdered their children and raped their children and uh, rapey murdered their children. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I, I like that because that to me was sort of that moment where I was like, Oh, now we're really getting it. Um, even though weirdly enough, after that whole sequence, which is very, I thought well shot and it's like creepy. And as she's telling this long sort of weirdly winding, disturbing story, uh, he's having almost like these visions, like there's something uh, supernatural going on. And there's this dollhouse that she has uh, that he's looking in the windows, like maybe the the family that she's talking about is somehow inside this house. And, and for a few moments there, I thought maybe this is going to turn into like an actual ghost story or something. And then it shifts right back. And she's like, oh, so that's my story, uh, which, of course, she presents as like a children's fairy tale that she's published, which is very not appropriate for children. Yeah. And you bring up a good point because this takes place in New York City in a high rise building apartment. And they do from time to time as they're moving from one element to the next, they'll just pan out to a building or an apartment across the street where someone's got random TV on. And it's um, again, it's voyeuristic, but it doesn't really serve any purpose beyond that. It's like a palate cleanser of sorts. Yeah. But um, I think it's just to show that uh, everyone in New York city is messed up. Yeah, I think that maybe is, or the idea that, you know, behind any one of these windows could be some sort of right. strange psychodrama happening and we don't know about it. Right. And that was a shot at you, New York, from me, <laughs> Jersey's own Jason Harris. Yeah. Are you from New Jersey? We hadn't heard about that. <laughs> and uh, and I, I like to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did like that sequence uh, quite a bit. And I, I felt like it it gave you insight into her as a character. And because before that, We've spent a lot of time with with him talking about his sort of weird quest to expose the malfeasance at this law firm where they work and how he makes recordings and takes notes on everything that the partners say. And he's going to expose them in this book that he's writing, which, of course, it turns out he's not actually writing. Um, but we've really gotten deeper into him and his sort of obsessions and disturbing nature. And I think while he's talking, you're thinking, oh, he's this weirdo that's like imposing this on her. And then she's like, oh, but wait, you think you're a weirdo. <laughs> right. And then especially after the, there's a kiss and that really kind of moves things from act two to act three in a strange way, because that opens her up into, you know, hey, we should do this and let's go to the shore and let's, you know, take weekend vacations. And she really just kind of lets her guard down. And at this point, even after the kiss, he's like, uh, are, we, are we on a date? I don't, know, I don't know what's going on here, right? Yeah. So that kind of uh, changes things for the two of them. And then to get back in her good graces, he's just like, well, now that you've shown me how messed up you are, I shall tell you how messed up I am, right? And like, you know, goes on these rants of like, I don't know how to talk to people. Everything I learn is from television and uh, I'm a failure at life. Right, which... which I thought, again, was maybe not what I expected. I did like that about this movie, that if you think you are familiar with these kinds of movies, this movie does all sorts of stuff that you would not expect out of a movie like this. And one thing I would not expect anyone to do in real life is microwave scallops, which is what she made him for dinner. That I was very off-putting. I you being very angry about that as we were watching this movie. At that point in time, if someone had microwaved me scallops for dinner, I'd say, let's go down, get some pizza. I'll buy. because. No, you can't microwave scallops. That's I, disgusting. 
That's she, the lesson I took from this. Yeah, but she has a whole bit that she talks about like twice, and that's another like weird quirk. She tells him this like same word for word thing about how she makes all her meals at the beginning of the week, and then she microwaves them later on, and the way it makes her feel, and another thing where she's clearly just filling a silence. Right. She was meal prepping before meal prepping was cool. But yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's this whole idea of um, of void. They both have voids inside of them and um are getting no closer to filling them right yeah and i i liked that that this movie was sort of like nihilistic in a way it was not and i did find it darkly funny at times just in the way that they are completely unable to connect and to express themselves and the weird things they decide to bring up in different moments i mean i wouldn't necessarily call it a comedy but i did think that there were moments that were funny did you would you have or do you know anyone who would have misunderstood that they were on a date in that situation? I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard for me to say because I definitely had read beforehand that this movie was about two people on a date, so I knew going in that that was what it was. I think it seems pretty obvious from the beginning. Right. So that's a thing. Like, I, uh, that kind of threw me a little where he's like, oh, well, this is a, you know, you kind of know when you're flirting with someone at, a, at an office or whatnot. And uh, um, that was, but I did think the fact that they knew each other beforehand, like raised the stakes, you know, a good amount because we've all been in those situations where we have crushes on someone and you feel like there's a flirtation back and forth. And, you know, you learn about that person, you know, a little, and then you get to the point where you're actually going to hang out alone. And that, that brings a certain amount of angst and excitement to it. So the, uh, the setup ramped it up and, um, yeah, it it executed decently throughout, I'd say. Yeah, and I, I would say that if you went into this movie not understanding that it was about people on a date, the opening sort of montage sequence with uh, Jackie getting ready and nervously like changing into different yeah. outfits makes it clear that that's what's about to happen. And yeah. I thought... Um, we mentioned you mentioned this a little bit, but um, that I think is a, that opening sequence is a good example of how Noonan makes this movie cinematic and not just here's the filmed version of a stage play. And I think he does some good stuff uh, throughout the film during the, the telling of that creepy story. There's a lot of uh, atmospheric uh, filmmaking elements. And like you were saying, the, the cuts to the other apartments. So did you feel like this movie uh, was effectively a movie and not just a filmed play? I did. I mean, it felt like it came from a play, but I don't mind that it was a film. And um, yeah, I'm all good with that. I think it, it worked as a film. Yeah. And uh, and what are our thoughts on the the performances? They're great. I mean, both of them are very good. I think I have no problem with that. It's in a way I was reading that. Um, you know, did you see the box office on this thing? Um. Oh yeah. You know what? I had neglected to mention that. Yeah, it grossed three hundred twenty seven thousand four hundred eighty two dollars at the box office, according to IMDb, which oh. is a very specific number. Yeah, which is not much at all. No, but it more than what is that? Uh, yeah, more than doubled its. Uh, budget. Sure. And it did well on the festival circuit. But yeah, it's it's interesting that this one gets lost and, you know, something like Clerks becomes the massive breakout hit of that festival. Right. I mean, watching this and then watching Clerks, you can see why Clerks was appealing to a wider audience than this movie was. But you would still think that this would find an audience of adults who like smart, interesting, character-driven pieces. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it does surprise me a little bit that this movie doesn't have a bigger following now over time. I mean, it is available. You can anyone can watch it on Amazon. It's not completely lost. 
Uh, and Tom Noonan still is someone that people are familiar with. You know, he's still a big character actor, does a lot of TV, a lot of movies. So I feel like this movie is ripe for rediscovery in a way. Have you ever been on a date where someone reveals something that's totally inappropriate <laughs> given the first <laughs> um, date scenario? I bet I have. I can't think, I'd have to think a little more, but I've, you know, I've definitely been on some very awkward dates. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's a not an uncommon occurrence. Let's get into that. <laughs> Let's not. I was uh, on a date once, it was okay. the first date, and uh, she had told me that uh, she and her ex-boyfriend were swingers which is fine, do whatever. And she went into great detail about their lifestyle, which uh, interesting, sure. Maybe not uh, appropriate for the first date, but uh, hey, if you're listening, let's catch up sometime. I mean, at least she didn't <laughs> tell you a story about uh, child rape and murder. Well, yeah, but that was a fictional story. Was it you though? <laughs> you're, are you saying that the character of Jackie was a child murderer slash rapist or? i mean i think we're meant to think that there may be elements of that that come from her life do you not think that no that's fair she's definitely uh cuckoo in the habesa so who knows that's <laughs> a good way to put it <laughs> very i think that's uh how the uh, american mental association wants you yeah to say that would be that's yeah. in the dsm4 <laughs> is uh that's her official diagnosis uh but yeah i mean she talks about her family a little earlier and her like five brothers or something like that and uh, her five, five brothers and two sisters or whatever so it's not quite the same as what's in the story but i i, I think you're definitely meant to imagine that some something in her background has led to that yeah the two other things i wanted to say that i thought were done well when you brought up you know how it works as a film he did a good job of intercutting very long takes with super quick cuts yeah. you know uh depending on the mood and um did you read uh which celebrity is a big fan of this film Oh, I did. I, did. I don't I did know too. that I did. Uh, please. Will you like to give us the reveal? My favorite writer, Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Oh, I did read that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And that's why probably why he cast him as the voice of everyone in the world during uh, Anomalisa. Yeah, right. I, I think so. Um, and th I feel like this is it doesn't surprise me that Charlie Kaufman likes this movie. No, me neither. Now I really want to watch it. You should watch it, Dave. <laughs> that's Someday. what we're here for. Yes. Is to get our production staff to watch the films that we have already <laughs> talked about. I, I, but I, I think it is, in a way, what we're here for in that anyone, listeners, Dave, uh, <laughs> should check out this movie. It's an interesting movie. And uh, so do we want to rate it? Yeah. Well, I agree with you on the listeners. That's the point of the podcast. Right. I think that is. <laughs> but, you know, Dave. Dave, too. Well, Dave is a listener. He's movies. sitting here listening to us. I, I listen. I enjoy the show, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks Give buddy. us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> Please subscribe and like us, Dave. Uh, what am I? I three, three out of five. Yeah. Um, microwave scallops. Oh, so, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would give it three and a half out of five. I think it's a movie that, as I was watching it, I was like, "What?" And then afterwards, I thought about it, and I was, "Okay, yeah." That was my reaction to this movie. What? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, now I know why Ebert was your idol. You right, your, yeah, that's my full review. <laughs> but um, I would watch it again. Yeah. Because there's a lot, like we said, there are a lot of layers, a lot of different things going on. So I'm sure upon repeat viewing, there would be certain things that I'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. Now I see. Our articulate reaction. <laughs> After you film. go, what? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'd be like, oh, now I see. Yes. Um. So we'll come back and we'll talk a little more uh, about the legacy of what happened was. Mm -hmm.
Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year and our season on the films of 1994. We're talking in this episode about Tom Noonan's What Happened Was, uh, which won the Grand Jury Prize at the 1994 Sundance Film Festival. And then faded to obscurity until right now at this moment <laughs> where we have brought it back to pop culture uh, glory. Yes. So... Uh, yeah, in this segment, we usually will talk about the legacy of the movie, but as you say, it did fade into obscurity, so it doesn't have uh, a huge legacy, although I feel like it's fade into obscurity in a way is part of the legacy because it puts it in this tradition of movies that win big at Sundance and then nobody sees them. Yeah, I, lo I love stuff like that where you discover something. There was no way we would have discovered this film if we hadn't, you know, made Sundance uh, Grand Jury winner a category on this podcast. Right. So it's nice that we can go back and discover it. And, you know, Noonan did write other plays that he turned into films. Yeah, he's directed three other films. The Wife, but not the recent movie with Glenn Close. Uh, Wang Dang mm -hmm. and The Shape of Something Squashed. So, okay, let's all take one. I'll yeah. take Wang Dang. Um, <laughs> Definitely not movies that have been seen by uh, anyone. <laughs> right, right. But I would be interested to see uh, another one of his uh, play movies. I know one of them is like about a couple who goes to uh, their uh, house in Vermont to meet another couple who might be their therapists. And uh, like it all breaks down and, you know, there are all these things that get revealed about the characters. So right. it sounds like this movie times two or something. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd be up for seeing that. I think these other his other movies are even harder to find than what happened was uh, and may not be available to stream or whatever, but maybe it, he'll get a renaissance. If anyone has Wang Dang, <laughs> shoot us a link. Let us know. Wang Dang. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but weirdly, as we were saying before, like Tom Noonan as an actor continues to get tons of work. Yeah, he's doing great. Yeah, uh, and he's always uh, entertaining as playing weirdos. Uh, as Dave was saying, he plays every other person in Anomalisa. Yeah, also Char in Synecdoche, New York. Yeah, well. Charlie Kaufman, clearly uh, a big Tom Noonan fan. Uh, he was uh, a big character on Damages, uh, Jason's favorite show. I did love that show, and I liked him in it. But uh, I think, you know, maybe the legacy, as you were saying, is because Josh goes to a lot of film festivals. I do. Um, we have a movie playing in the festival circuit right now is like go wherever if you if there's a film festival by you go and check something out that you've never heard of because you might stumble on something that you won't get a chance to see again. That'll like resonate with you. Right. Yeah. And I've definitely had that experience at film festivals where I've seen a movie and thought, oh, this movie is so amazing. This was the best movie I saw at this film festival. And then uh, other movies from that festival go on to lots of acclaim and uh, get big releases or big releases for indie films. And the one that I liked barely ever comes out. Can you name one? Uh, yeah, I think there's one that I remember that comes to mind that I think I told you to see, but you didn't really like was the Greta Gerwig film, The Dish and the Spoon. Yeah, I did see that. And that is another one where it's basically two characters and uh, the setup's a little different. They're in a small, like, beach town in the off season and yeah. it's talky 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 let's learn about each other talky talky uh and mine <laughs> some actual dialogue from was the film. <laughs> also one that featured uh just two major characters was the living wake which we saw here at cine vegas oh yeah i do remember that movie i don't know if i was a fan of it or not yeah but... and i saw it twice yeah and i loved it at the festival and then the second time i was like 
Eh, right. I mean, and sometimes there is that experience at a festival where you're in that environment and you're just like seeing tons. I, I feel like maybe you don't do this as much as I do, but if I go to a festival, I'm like, I must see every movie I possibly can. So I'm seeing like five, six movies a day and my brain is mush. And so something that stands out, it's like, wow, this was amazing. But then maybe if you revisit it later on, you realize it wasn't quite as amazing. So don't go to festivals or watch movies. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I love I love festivals and I love I as much as that is like a tiring way to do things. I I love that experience and uh, and getting to see lots of random films. I would have loved to see this movie like in its festival premiere and have that experience and see what the reaction was at the time. Yeah, actually, we should say um, years ago, Josh was covering Sundance and I was acting in a short film that was playing up there by our friend uh, Tom Barnt who made this weird movie called The Mark. And because of that, we, it screened right before Goliath, the Zellner brothers, right? And that's another movie that I would have never have seen. And that right. was a, that's a fun movie that, you know, yeah. only because of uh, the excellent work of Tom Barnt did we right. get that one. Yeah, that's true. And I do like the Zellner brothers have gone on to do some bigger things. And actually their last movie, Damsel, uh, I think we talked about on, on Dave's Piecing It Together podcast when we did the best of mm -hmm. last year, because I was a big fan of that movie. Um, which I saw at a film festival. It all comes full circle. <laughs> it does. Um, I, one other quick thing I wanted to mention, going back to Tom Noonan as an actor, uh, is Ty West's The House of the Devil, which is a great horror movie and possibly the best creepy Tom Noonan performance. Uh, I love that movie. So, Well, that's cool because he does have a lot of creepy bad guy performances. He does. That's like his jam. Um, so uh, I think that's... Uh, what happened was, do we have uh, any more thoughts on? I got nothing. All right. But I don't I will... microwave your scallops, people. <laughs> <laughs> and check out what happened was you can rent it on Amazon. Uh, that is this episode of Awesome Movie Year. Check us out on all the social media things. Yeah, we're on every single one of them. Check us out on Friendster and Bumble and Hello. Um, Phoebe. Which one? Ello. Remember Ello? No. What's oh. that one? What's it, Phoebe? It, it was cool for a little bit, like five years ago. Phoebe's like a Tinder for uh, thick people. Wow. Yeah. I was so. going to mention Peach. <laughs> peach. I did have Peach for a minute. Anyway, we're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Awesome movie year. And on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram and awesome movie pod. That's right. On Twitter. I can be found as Jason Harris comedy on Instagram or Facebook or Jay Harris comedy on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook at Josh Bell Hates Everything and on Twitter at Signal Bleed. And you can find Dave and his awesome Piecing It Together podcast. Yeah, we can find us on Facebook, Piecing It Together, on Twitter at Piecing Pod, and check out the Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces Facebook group on MySpace. Yes. yes. Uh, and uh, what are we talking about next time, Jason? Next time, Josh, uh, I will pull it up. You right don't know. Now. I will. Tell. I know. I got it, baby. <laughs> I got it. It's the best picture winner, is it not? That's yes, it is. Winner. It's the best picture best winner. Best picture winner. The juggernaut. The acclaimed. The effervescent. The uh, is omnipotent. It a, is it a boxer? <laughs> are you a type man? It's everywhere still to this day. 1994 best picture of the Motion Academy Award of Sciences oh, and just, Movies. Just stop. Forrest Gump. Please tune in for our more articulate discussion oh, of Forrest Gump next time. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. <laughs>
And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west. 